Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have Gareth Davis on the podcast. He runs a successful mortgage brokerage business on the South Coast in Southampton and has actually named his business South Coast Mortgage Services. If he's not in the office, he's normally out on the golf course or at home with his family sipping on some red wine, which he tells me that he likes chilled, which I found out last night. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that a bit later on. <laughs> so I've been working with Gareth for about 12 months now, um, helping increase the social media presence. He started with a really strong logo, so it made it quite easy to brand his company, which we'll talk about shortly. But I'm also wanting to get him onto the podcast to impart some wisdom um, in regards of how to how he runs his mortgage business, especially for anybody starting out, could really uh, really help some people out there. So, thanks very much for coming on, mate. No problem. Thanks for the invite. No problem. This is my uh, podcast. The debut, you break it. It's po- breaking your podcast virginity. That's what I'm doing, mate. It, it is gone. Yeah, <laughs> go easy with me. <laughs> oh, no, so just a few questions. I said before we started. Before we started this, there won't be any embarrassing ones on here. Try and keep it as much business as, as possible, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell us a bit about yourself and more? How you got started as a mortgage advisor? Um, yeah, yeah, no problem. So, uh, it, I actually fell into. Well, yeah, fell into mortgages and the industry um, completely by accident, believe it or not. Um, it was back in 2006. Um, I actually worked for, I was in, in recruitment. I was working in recruitment and I loved oh, yeah. it. You know, I was in construction recruitment for a local family, sort of friend of the family company and, you know, and everything. And um, uh, I got made redundant there, actually. And, and a few of us, few of us did at the time. But um a fr- another friend of mine um, who is now actually working with me was also in recruitment at the time. And he said to me, he said, look, mate, can you do me a favor? He said, I, I need to, he said, I've got this client. They're a mortgage packager in, in Whiteley in Hampshire, which is mm. 20 minutes away from us. Um, he said, I, I, I need you to go to an interview for me because I need to look good. <laughs> said, I'm not, I'm not interested. I don't know anything about mortgages. He said, trust me, it's fine. It's a group interview. You'll be one of like eight people there. It's fine. He said, you just be doing me a favor. And I said, well, I've got nothing else to do that day. So, you know, just lost my job sort of thing. Go to so, an interview. <laughs> yeah. So I went, I went along and uh, I can't, can't remember what we did really. And, uh, and he phoned me up later that day. He said, mate, they want to offer you the job. I said, I don't even know what the job is really. I said, well, <laughs> I said, I said, you know, and he said, well, he said, between you and me, I'm also quitting my job next week in recruitment and I'm going to work there. So we, we bang, and, and I said, okay, I'll give it a few months. And, and I started, that was 2006. And I started, we, we were um, almost, for want of a better word, in a call center type environment. And we worked yeah. in um, generating mortgages. I wasn't a mortgage advisor at that stage. Obviously, I had no, in, you know, no interest in the industry. Really, I was just trying to uh, keep, keep some money coming in. But I, I got there. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the kind of... Um, the feel of it and, and, and the work itself. And, and actually, you know, I ended up staying there for two, two, three years, something like that, up until the crash, the big financial crash in 2008. Yeah. Um, they put me through my qualifications. 
I started, um, I moved, I got promoted two or three times there. I became an underwriter and I was underwriting applications and secured loan applications. So that actually is a really good starting point for me because I got to work in the background on how applications are processed and what people look like, what people look for. Ah, right. In what's a good application, what's a bad application, you know, is it fraudulent, or, you know, everything. Um, before I then went on to also become an advisor there. Um, so I've kind of worked from the back end through to the front where I then was advising clients. That's um, interesting. Do you think that should be part of, because we talk about the same app and it is just like a box ticking exercise, isn't it? It's a, an yeah, exam to say it, you can do I it. I mean, but... getting CMAP is, it's essential, obviously, or, or the mm. equivalent with CII, but um, it's, it's, you know, 25% of the job, maybe. You know, it just allows you to officially say you can do it. You are far from, you know, being able to, especially in, in, in today's environment, you know, the world that we're in in 2020, you know, mm. everything is so fast changing, criteria changes, product changes, you know, and, and having the background that I had in underwriting, so knowing what lenders look for and how to pro properly package a case to a lender to make it look as good as it needs to be, definitely helped me out and and so then when i went on to the advice side of it in 2008 i think it was um i knew just that little bit more i was confident i was like right if we send it to this lender if we send it to that lender it will go through i'll get it through for you blah 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 um it definitely stood me in good stead without a doubt yeah it should be something that well i didn't realize that those positions were out there that you could go into an entry level and learn those things but that should be part of it i think because you understand the process it's not when you're looking at lenders and you're looking at the criteria I suppose at the back of your head you're thinking well if i do x y and z there's a much better chance of it not getting stuck mm -hmm, definitely and and I, I i left um well the financial crash hit in 2008 and, and we went from having oof, 120 odd employees at the time you know big big call center mm -hmm. everyone doing really well um, we specialised in the dirtier side of mortgages, to be honest, adverse credit mortgages, bankruptcies, you know, the, the lot. Oh, right. um, but we still did some mainstream stuff, but it was predominantly those people that would be declined by, you know, the likes of the, the high street banks. Um, yeah. The crash happened in 2008 and, and obviously everything kind of slowed down. The company went from 120 odd employees to about six um all right. we all, and eventually it just shut down altogether so i actually then joined a corporate estate agency um so countrywide um yep. and joined as a mortgage broker and i did four four years five years there maybe which is probably a lot longer than most <laughs> yeah, um, yeah to be fair they've got quite a high turnover of, of, of advisors to be honest um and a lot of the advisors that go there are are fresh out of their CMAP course. Um, but the training they give you and the scenarios that you'll see sat in the estate agency office will again put you in such good stead. You know, yeah. what I saw in the space of six months, nine months working there, more than most people had seen in two years at our previous place, because we just only attracted one type of client. Whereas on the high street estate agency, we, we saw everything. Um, and the training and everything they give you yeah it's it's good it's good but you tend to find that you do get to a point in a corporate world where you want to spread your wings you know, yeah. you, know do your you don't own, want do to be hamstrung and, and things so 
it was always my intention and my desire to go off and do it on my own. I was always had the confidence that I could do it. You know, I had a very good kind of rapport with clients. Clients would always come back to me, you know, um, not that I stole any, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> Too long ago now, mate, it's gone. Yeah, but, uh, but no, you know, so in 2013, um, I went out on my own and I went to join um, a couple of guys that, um, that I knew and, and their financial advisors. And we basically all shared an office um, above an estate agency in central Southampton. Um, and then we went from there, really. Um, you know, they're still doing their thing, financial advice. You know, we're not, we're separate companies, but we call ourselves kind of like sister companies. So, you know, yeah. we, we help each other out. I, I'll help their clients, they'll help mine, etc. cetera. Um, and so it was just me, really. Um, and then it just got busier and busier, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I was spending less time on the golf course. <laughs> I wasn't happy. <laughs> Which is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. I think what you, um, what you said there, the personal point of view it doesn't it doesn't matter who you work for i completely agree with you i was i was in the estate agency side of countrywide and the training's fantastic mm. and it is all about sales and i think that puts you in a good stead because you you learn to sell yourself more than anything yeah. don't you yeah yeah and i think the big thing that you said there is when you were at countrywide you had people always coming back to you because of you it That's didn't right, matter yeah. who whose name was above the door if you were at countrywide connells or anywhere else mm -hmm. they would still come to you and I think that's yeah, why that, you've that's obviously built a successful the, business. That's one of the biggest advantages. Um, so anyone starting out in the industry, for example, you know, make yourself, um, well, hopefully you don't need to make yourself, but if you're likable, if you're, if you're trustworthy and clients believe in what you're saying and telling them, you know, they will come back as long as you give them also a good service to go alongside that. Um, you know, we, I've, got, I've got clients now, you know, 2020 that I've dealt with since, 2007 2008 you know comfortably good a good few you know you lose some along the way you know but oh, um, course, yeah. it, it's just what happens but you know again that's part of the strength of our current business you know um we probably get in terms of remortgage business after we do and someone's initial first mortgage we'll, we'll probably get 90 percent of clients come back to us um that's huge, you know and and some some we don't want to come back to us <laughs> some you're quite happy to deal with just the once don't get me wrong but um but no we we probably just you know strength of of our business now is the returning custom and the client base that we've got you know we we tend to have quite a loyal custom and quite a loyal client base and, and that's tricky me, in today's world it well of course it is because there's so many options out there isn't there everybody's mm -hmm. So, I always call it noise, especially on, on social media. You've got so many people throwing things at you. You don't quite know where to go. No. I think with yourself, from me, looking from the outside in, you obviously do have the knowledge and you're a very knowledgeable mortgage advisor. But I think you just tell people how it is. You don't yeah. skirt around the subject. And I think somebody that's coming into the mortgage advice um, industry green can think that I need to please everybody. Yeah, definitely. And, and I was probably a bit like that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in, in today's market, you, especially right now, you know, literally now the, the time we're in since, you know, lockdown and COVID, et cetera, um, you need to t be straight with people without a doubt, you know, yeah. um, because unfortunately, you know, people do think it's probably easy to get a mortgage and, and right this second without question, no matter what perhaps other practices are telling you on Facebook or, or, you know, they, they might be 
advertising that it's still easy. We can turn your mortgage around in two or three days. You know, the fact of the matter is when it's reality bites right now, it's, it's, it's tricky. You know, lenders it's are tough. cautious. Um, and so you have to be honest with clients. You know, I had a, a guy, um, a client last night, you know, they've had an offer accepted on a property. They're over the moon. Of course, there's a lot of emotion attached to buying a house. You know, um, you know, his wife loves it. He loves it. They, they can see kids there and everything. Um, and, and the people they're buying from have had a sale fall through. Yeah. Um, so they're, they've, they've actually, the people he's buying from have gone to the length. They, they were almost due to exchange contracts. They've sold their children's beds and everything. The kids are sleeping on mattresses on the floor oh. and it all fell through. So my client's going, I need to get this mortgage super quick. Guys. And I said, okay, yeah, I totally appreciate that. But I need to, you know, you need to re you know, you need to understand that at the minute it is slower than normal. You know, we will do everything we can to get it through. We will chase and we will, you know, phone for the updates on an almost daily basis with lenders. But at, the, at times that's a fruitless task because they are unfortunately snowed under with staffing issues with, and, and is, if you're honest and you set your stall out from the start and you manage that client's expectations, then, then they'll remain happy. And, and, and obviously then the chances of them coming back to you in two, three, five years or whenever it's remortgage time, is massively more and you're not mm -hmm. setting themselves or yourself up for a fall. Um, so yeah, just being honest and, and actually also cutting out some of the jargon and, and, and um, cutting just out being, some of the bull, you know, there, just there's being a, there's a friend. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah just being there, somebody there, that they can call up. There's a bit of flannel, you know, in the industry, you know, you, you, you can, you know, people say this, people say that and an estate agency and everything, you know, so you just have to, be straightforward and be honest with them. Cut out the jargon and just just re be as real as you can be, and uh, people will, will thank you for that definitely. So just don't be Billy bullshit. Simple as that, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that anyway. But um, but no, you, you, it's all about managing the client's expectation. You need to make them aware from day one how things are going to pan out, and you know why when when they come to you and say, oh, "I've seen this interest rate online," you know with I don't know, HSBC or whatever it might be. Yeah. You say, well, that's great, but here's the reason you probably can't get that. And, and they yeah. go, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, so but they believe, they believe. I think at the minute there are a lot of hard conversations that brokers are having to have with people that maybe, especially somebody that hasn't been through the 2008 crash like you did. Yeah. People are, have never had to have those conversations. Have no, they? no. And it's, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen a few sort of um, people in the industry saying, oh, you know, why, aren't, why don't we have 10% deposit mortgages? It's not fair. And it's like, well, there's nothing in the book that says lenders should always <laughs> offer 10% more. You know, they, we, you know, they don't owe us anything. We, we you know, we're not owed 10% deposit mortgages. Don't get me wrong. It would be great if three or four lenders came out on Monday and said, we're back in the game at 10%. Um, it would be amazing. And, and things would go a bit crazy. Um, but the fact of the matter is they're protecting themselves. They're clearly worried, you know, be it a market yeah. crash, be it a property crash. Um, and, and we just, you just have to suck it up and, and, you know, plod on as best you can and, and, you know, manage your clients and manage your customers expectations. And, and if that means unfortunately letting someone down and telling them that they might have to wait three, four months, um, that's how it is. At it's going to happen. You know? It's funny they're, because they're you're quite, yeah, well, it's been honest again, isn't it? But like you said about the 10% mortgages, it's, I think you're very similar to Kate from Redditch Mortgage Advice. I know you speak to her and yeah, you yeah, and her have a very, very similar approach to the 10% that a lot of people on social media are saying, look, we, 
especially LinkedIn. There's no 10% mortgages out there. Kate's very much the same mindset as you is they're not there. Just get on with it. Go and yeah. find something else. Yeah. There's yeah. no point moaning about it. You've just no. got to, you've no. just got to get on with it and find a solution. Just a case of, of, you know, if finding, looking at alternative solutions, can you get the extra 5% from a family member, for example, mm. you know, there are lenders out there that will allow you to get a personal loan towards the, the additional 5%, but then that's quite tricky because you've got the mortgage to pay and you've got a loan to pay and, and you limit your audience of lenders to, to very, very few, one or two at the most. But, yeah. you know, if it's not doable right now, you know, everything, I always say what will be, will be when it comes to property. You know, if the, the amount of times I've seen someone fall in love with a house, for whatever reason, they either can't quite get it or perhaps it falls through. And of course, it's upsetting because there's a lot of emotion involved with houses and purchases, etc. Um, but I always say to them, look, what will be will be. Try not to panic. Try not to worry, because the next one might come along in a week's time and be ten grand less than the, the first one, yeah. and it might be twice as you know half as good again, sort of thing. And and most of the time that happens. It's having it's having a conversation on an honest level, isn't it? Going yeah. back to it. so obviously at the moment it's quite tough. But what would you say has been the best case you've ever had? Is it the one that springs to mind? Um, in in terms of what? So, well, just anything. Is it? I don't. I, I think for you, it's not so much money saved. It's that experience that you have with people, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, we 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 have so many good, um, good clients. Good. You know, we we we're quite lucky. We get really good clients. We've got a really strong client base, and you know, I actually genuinely like them. <laughs> you know you're not you're not dealing with them through gritted teeth we, and, and and actually um a solicitor that i work with and i've worked with now for a few years he said to me he said, he said all of your clients are really nice and i said well yeah i said i don't know why that is specifically i said but but yeah they are you attract and, and the people you want to deal with well there is that you know there, there's there, there's ways to we're not you know it's a case of we'll always invite new business and we'll always be happy to talk to you know anyone about their their requirements but um sometimes you know you're you want you want their business but you don't need their business you know so if if someone's particularly difficult or awkward you know in, in reality right now we haven't got the time to deal with that yeah and, and you you know it's, it's having the strength to say look i don't think we're going to necessarily be the practice for you you know, um, Actually, you know, have you had that conversation with people? Yeah, past? yeah, definitely. Wow. You know, once or twice, not not often. Don't get me wrong, no. but not often. But sometimes it will come about where you know, maybe for example, the fee fee debate, the great fee debate, which could <laughs> be huge, another whole it? podcast on its own. But you know, we we for the most part we do charge broker fees, and and we justify that with the service that we give clients and being available pretty much seven days a week and and, and all sorts. Um, but sometimes you might get a client going well i'm not paying that fee okay that's fine you know there are you know there's a guy down the road that doesn't charge a fee why are you charging me a fee? and you look you subtly explain the differences between them um laptop charge sorry my, my laptop's just about to die <laughs> i've not <laughs> charged it in I'm, the, the wife's just crawling under on her hands and knees to get me to charge oh, don't it <laughs> it's not going to be on video don't worry <laughs> but uh but and, and it's having the strength to say, look, you know, yes, they may not charge, but they've got their reason for doing that. And and actually, if if you're looking solely for a fee-free broker, and and don't get me wrong, there are cases where we don't charge fees. Um, yeah. But 
in 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 this scenario we're probably not the the practice for you um, so i love the spin and it's on having that the ability it's... to to be able to to say that to someone um and and they actually thank you for it as well because they go you know fair enough um you know and, and quite often they go okay well, it's only a few hundred quid and i appreciate your honesty and appreciate that what you're telling me is you know make you different to someone down the road and you know, but um, but for the most part, we're very lucky, and and so I, it would be difficult to single out particular a particular, a particular case. case. You just yeah, in general, yeah. your clients are you get yeah. on with your clients, and yeah, definitely we've that way, got yeah. really good, strong client base, and and I enjoy helping people out. That's that's the main part of the job that I enjoy is speaking to the clients, helping them out. You know, the emotion involved in buying that big dream home for a million pounds or whatever it might be is is from their end, it's massive. And they're so grateful for the most part that you've helped them get that. Especially if, for example, they've hit a hurdle when they've been declined by their own bank, maybe. And you go, mm-hmm. look, don't worry. Let's sit down. Let's have a look at it. And, and then you find a resolution, which they didn't think they, they had because their bank had already said no. You know, so there's a lot more. A great feeling, isn't it? To, uh, one thing I've picked up in the first kind of 20 minutes of talking is you've used one word that, I haven't really heard mentioned in mortgage brokering. It's an emotion. You yeah. say it's quite an emotional process. And when you think of a mortgage advisor, you think of figures, getting them the mortgage, securing the house. But actually on an emotional level, you're helping them in the next stage of their life, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, let's face it. Mortgages aren't exciting. <laughs> it's it's numbers on a paper, you know, yeah. sums of money, which is it's, it's just numbers on a page or on a screen, you know. And it's talking to someone about fixing their rate for five years or two years. That's not, you know, that doesn't not get exciting, is it? It's not. No, let's let's be honest. The, the job itself isn't necessarily, you know, going to set your world alight. But it's dealing with that client base and helping them resolve a problem. And it is emotional, you know, from both ends of the spectrum. You know, you're dealing with the first-time buyers that have fallen in love, that have saved hard for five years to get their deposit. And then eventually you help them get the keys to move in. They love it. But then if you look at the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, we, we've had clients, you know, it sounds horrible, but in tears, you know, the, the mm-hmm. amount of times um, that you've had clients on the phone or even in the office in tears because it's a divorce case, it's a separation case, and it's getting a bit nitty, a bit you know, getting a bit sticky. And, and as much as it started amicable, it might not end up amicable and you're having to almost cope coax them through and you're you're at that point you're more to them than just someone who's going to get their NatWest mortgage degree um you know clients passing away and having to deal with a bereaved um there is there is a lot more to it and and that's the part of the job that I like dealing with the clients and the, the the personal um the personal side of it and that's why we still see maybe not quite at the minute we still see clients face to face not all of them um Mm. And a lot more now we don't do on a face-to-face basis just because of the the way the market has gone. You know, when I started out in 2013, I probably saw 90% of my clients face-to-face. Did you? Um, it's probably now not having COVID, you know, in a normal circumstance yeah. without the whole COVID scenario. We probably see uh, ooh, 25, 30% maybe, you know. Face-to-face. Um, so it's it's definitely changed, but when there's a need to see that client we will we will do it you know i'm going out to see a guy next week it's it's a tricky scenario it's a separation case you know historically he never dealt with the mortgage really you know it was his partner his wife that did that all and and so Mm. now he's having to do it and 
he's like, look, Gareth, I'm a bit, I, I'm a bit stuck. I'm a bit confused about this. And I know if I just talk to him on the phone or, or via Zoom, et cetera, whatever it might be, he's not going to get it. And he's not going to, you know, fully go into that arrangement confidently. He's, he's 100% doing the right thing. So I know that by going out to see him, socially distanced, of course, Matt Scarman. <laughs> is, is, uh, is going to help him so much more than, you know, having a chat on the end of the phone. And, and, and that's and obviously why you're a very successful broker, because you're, you're tailoring that experience to that person. Yeah, definitely. Because... You have to. Everybody's needs are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, there is no kind of one size fits all approach, in my opinion. And then in terms of business, obviously you do the mortgage side, but you ventured into equity release. And I've spoken to a few brokers that almost trust you to take on their equity release cases, don't they? That's right. Yeah. So we, we started, um, we dipped our toe into equity release um, a few years ago, actually, when I had another advisor working with me. Um, she, she's now kind of semi-retired pretty much. So, um, mm -hmm. and, and she did it for me at the time. I said, look, you get the qualification, you do it. I'll oversee it and, and have a look as well. But we, we dipped our toe into it a few years ago and, and we didn't do it as well as we, not, not as well, but we, we didn't go into it full throttle we should have okay. really gone at it properly um so we, we started to do that now this year um and and and, and I, I love it you know equity release or lifetime mortgages um it's got a bad reputation in the public it's the perception of it is is probably not what it needs to be and that's actually as an industry an industry-wide problem that we need to help people overcome because now today modern equity release is so different and so heavily regulated compared to before um, yeah. and, and it's essentially, it's just a mortgage. It's a mortgage, but you can pay that mortgage in two or three different ways. And there's no term to the mortgage. You know, you could live until you're 125 and at no point will you be forced to sell your house to pay the mortgage off. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, we deal with, um, a number of mortgage brokers, you know, there's a few mortgage brokers that they've not got the time or maybe perhaps the inclination to go out and do that themselves. Or the knowledge um, more than anything, because it's a very yeah, specialist yeah. industry, isn't it? Yeah, I think you do need a certain level of confidence with equity release or lifetime mortgages because it is a high, higher risk area than, say, your, you know, your first time buyer type mortgage because you're dealing with um, vulnerable clients, perhaps, you know, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. Even. You know, I've had a client recently 100 years of age, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. So with that becomes a lot more responsibility to make sure you're doing the right thing, not just for them now, but, you know, moving forward. Um, so I do think you, there's a certain level of confidence that you need in, and, and industry experience. I, I mean, you, to do it properly, in my opinion, you probably need to have a few years behind you as a mortgage broker. Um, okay, you yeah. need to be at that point in the mortgage world where you think, right, I can do mortgages with my eyes closed. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. And, and now I want to kind of get my teeth into something else. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. And, and unfortunately, because of the whole lockdown scenario, we've not, perhaps launched it um as officially as we, we we are planning to and obviously you're helping me with that um with websites and things but um but that is coming because you um, need to be been... in front of them don't you and i think people yeah obviously this... warm to you as a person when you sat in front of them it's it'd be so much harder to do it over the phone and i think it gives again the bad bad stigma if you're trying to do everything over the phone with equity release yeah there are some very big equity release practices that are very much a a call center type approach and it's just everything on the end of the phone that's not for me that's not yeah. for me um we have done it with 
you know, start of lockdown, we had equity release places where we physically couldn't see the client. Um, and we've done it over the phone or Zoom and things like that. And, and but I remember one client said, look, Gareth, can we have a Zoom meeting? I said, yeah, of course we can. He said, he said, I just want to see your face. He said, I just want to have a chat yeah. to you. He said, I just want to know that we're dealing with the right person that's dealing with our requirements. And I said, yeah, absolutely fine. No problem. Um, so it's that type of product, that type of kind of area of financial advice or mortgage advice. For me, yeah, it, it will greatly help sitting down in someone's yeah person to person isn't it it's that kind of industry that it it needs it so if there is anybody listening to this that has has some clients that do need equity release gareth's definitely your man and we'll put his contact details in the bottom of the the show notes but i hope you can hear from this it is it's all about the people for you rather than just selling a lifetime mortgage isn't it exactly yeah it's it's helping out the, the that client and and we've had cases where we've said look equity equity release probably isn't for you so it's not a case of, you know, just trying to find a lender that will fit them. It's, it's mm-hmm. getting that circumstance and getting that client scenario in front of you, having a chat to them, working out not only what they want, but also what you feel they need and having that confidence to be able to say to them, look, do you know what? I don't think an equity release mortgage is necessarily going to be right for you right now because yes, I can get it for you, to, you know, and we can get it done and we can get you the money in a few weeks. But actually looking at the bigger picture, I don't think that's going to help you right now. So let's look at another alternative. And maybe in a few years, the equity release will then be the right scenario. Go down that route. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. That's yeah what you I'm, need to brand yourself as the, the, honest, the honest mortgage advisor. That's, that'll be your, uh, your <laughs> well, brand. Straight away, that sounds like I'm dishonest though, doesn't it? If you're saying, yeah, I'm honest. <laughs> I promise. I promise you. <laughs> so I wanted to touch a bit on social media because we work together probably for the last yes. coming up. Well, it's about twelve months now. It may be a bit longer I than that actually. Was it the start of the year, end of last year? Was it? I can't quite remember. Now. Yeah, yeah, it was around there about there. About. I think. Yeah. 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 So um, I just wanted to have a chat with you because you a lot of the things that I say to you and the, a lot of the ideas that we come up with together for the social mm-hmm. media channels, you take a lot of it on board. Mm. What's the biggest thing that you've seen in growth in your social media channel since we've been consistently posting? Um, interaction is, is one. Um, okay. and, and you've educated me in, in what to post and what not to post and things. So, um, the, the, you know, it's definitely the thought process behind our post is that little bit more detailed now compared to perhaps when I was trying to do it on my own. You know, I was... Mm. I've always seen the, the importance of having yourself out on social media, um, but it's difficult to have the time to do it the time, and, and also to it, then yeah. do it properly, you know? And, and so I remember I started at one point, I think I was just copying and pasting mortgage industry articles or, or news articles. People yep. don't care. People don't read those. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quickly, I realized, <laughs> yeah they don't quickly. I just went, that's not going to work. You know, people are just purely not interested. You know, you need to, and I think I've, I was listening to your podcast with um, the first podcast with the Primus guy yesterday. Uh, Dave, um, yeah. Dave, yeah. And, and he said, uh, I think you both kind of said, you need to shorten that article and, and take the key points out of it, put it into your own branding, put it into your own words, etc., And then maybe at the bottom, put the link to the original article, something like that. But you, you yeah. put the spin on it and put it into your own words. Um, but by going out consistently, um, you just get that awareness out there. And, and it might be that people just see your branding and don't act on it. But at some point they'll go, right, I, I, I know that guy. You know, I had a case recently. I said, oh, we always ask clients, where'd you find us? 
And he said, I've sort of been, you know, I follow your page. I follow your page and I've just, you know, been keeping an eye on things and now's the time that I need to do something about it. Um, and I had, one, I always remember this one scenario, um, which made me feel quite chuffed and I don't think I've told you. So apologies. <laughs> oh, but I sat down at a, um, it was like a, an industry event. There was a, I think it was a protection event. It was legal in general, whatever, whatever, whoever it was. And I sat down, it was like a round table event. And I sat down next to this guy and he said, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, oh, I'm, I'm Gareth. And he said, oh, you're uh, South Coast Mortgages, aren't you? And I said, how do you know that? <laughs> and he said, oh, I've seen you on Facebook. And, and he was from another area, kind of, I don't know, an hour away maybe. And he said, yeah, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you pop up a few times on my Facebook. And, and I went, ah, okay. And, and I sat there quietly chuffed, sort of, you know, <laughs> giving myself a little mini high five because I thought, well, it obviously works. Yeah, it <laughs> does. It, it's not an immediate thing, is it? You have to be consistent. You have to just keep keep it varied and, and keep it consistent and, and keep that branding, which is the biggest thing straight away. The first thing you said to me was, look, I've got this idea for your branding. Um, we're we're going to put the bottom half of your South Coast logo across the top of all of your images and branding. And that's straight away, I thought, I love it. That's really good. No one's mentioned that to me before. That's what I wanted to talk about. So your logo, it's like a house at the top. And mm -hmm. if I put Gareth's links in here, you'll be able to see it. But it's a house on the top. And then on the bottom, it is literally the south coast, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just, literally I loved the, it. the part of the coast um, that I, I currently live on. And it's got the Isle of Wight there. And actually, you may not, if you're not from around the area, you may not realise that that's what it is. Um, but the fact of the matter is the bulk of our clients are on the South Coast, hence the name. And, and I would like to think they, they do know what it is. And, and actually, um, I'll take the credit for the logo because it was something I thought of myself. I didn't design it. Was it? Wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was just I had this idea and I thought, yeah, I quite like the, the sound of that. Let's see if it, it works. And the lady that designed it way back in 2013, 15, whenever it was, um, she, she put it over to me and she went, and I said, yeah, yeah, I like it. And um, yeah, I, I do. We do get comments and compliments on it as well. So it, it's yeah, it's a lovely. Yeah, it's it's seems, just so such a simple, especially in this age where what we tend to use the Facebook pages for is to grow your local presence. And mm -hmm. there's nothing more local than using the South Coast when you're called South Coast Mortgages. Exactly. It's so yeah, simple, I, but effective. I did worry about the company name a little bit when we did set you? it up. Yeah, um, because it almost sounds like we, we're only going to deal with you if you're on the South Coast to a degree. And I did worry whether it was too, it wasn't looking at the bigger picture. Perhaps I was kind of going to, you know, um, limit my, my client base, so to speak. But um, the fact is that's not been the case. Um, it doesn't and and if that the reality is that the bulk of our clients are on the South Coast. You know, not all of them, don't get me wrong. I've, got clients in Newcastle you know I've got clients in Manchester Birmingham whatever but the bulk naturally are on the south coast, the south coast. yeah if that was the case you Coventry Building Society would never do mortgages outside of Cov. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah <laughs> so it doesn't matter does it it's just that bit yeah. that, that that but so in in the, have you heard of Monmouth Monmouthshire Building Society no I rest my case <laughs> oh right okay fair enough yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. got to be there one out go. there isn't there? You know, so it can work in two ways can't it but uh the people in Monmouthshire they'll have heard of it but, but uh... <laughs> local people one is taught obviously Facebook is a big one that we work on together but mm -hmm. one that you tend to steer clear of is LinkedIn isn't it and that's on a personal level it is yeah and and I'm on LinkedIn um I don't 
often go on there to use it. Um, I've, I've, you know, I have clients message me still, etc. So I'll get the notifications and things, but it's not something that we, we kind of use to gain clients or um, to, to kind of gain um, reputation or, or reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a personal thing for me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I know, I, mean, I know places and practices that solely use LinkedIn and, and, um, I know one guy over in Somerset who solely is on LinkedIn and he's not on any other forms of social media. So LinkedIn is his, that's where he, he aims things and that's where he talks about what he does or talks to people and things. Um, so yeah, it, but for, for us, it's not something that we actively push. That and might that, change, but. It might change, but that's why I wanted to ask you it because it's not, with social media, very similar to everything, you've talked about it in more it's, it's not one size fits all. You obviously run a very successful business and you have brand awareness just by using Facebook, not having mm. to use LinkedIn. But there are other companies out there that will use LinkedIn but not use Facebook and Instagram. Definitely, yeah. I think when you start in a business, people think, and I've had this in the past, we want to put everything everywhere. Mm. And necessarily, it's not needed. What you need to do is really master one platform. And then if you want to hit a different type of client, you can look at a different platform from there. But that's yeah, the reason definitely. I wanted to ask you because LinkedIn isn't a big, a big thing in your armory, is it, for generating No, business? definitely not. I mean, you know, if I was to say how many clients have I ever got via LinkedIn, it would be very, very few. If yeah, I'd count them on one hand, probably. Um, my LinkedIn contacts tend to be people in the industry, you know, yeah. not quite so many in terms of clients whereas our facebook page the contacts or, or followers etc on the facebook page are all you know probably 90 percent their clients or potential yeah, yeah. clients um not others in the industry um different target so markets definitely so so we, we we definitely see facebook as being the number one um portal for us or the number one kind of uh, mm. method to, to to use to get that kind of industry reach and, get the business get in that business in yeah and in terms of social media as a whole and this is more on a on a personal level because you've got daughters haven't you mm-hmm. and social media daughters, is something yeah. that some people see as evil so how do you see it and how do you see your children growing up with social media um as you will know from our personal chats I've got a love-hate relationship with social media. Yeah. Um, I think it's very, very good, but I can. I also think it can be quite bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from from a personal level, for example, um, I've been on. Well, I was on Twitter for years. Um, yeah. And and I loved it. And and there was a big, actually, a big mortgage industry um, network almost. You know, we, we there was uh, twenty, thirty brokers that we were we would chat on a daily basis on a daily basis. And we'd chat about X, Y, and Z. It'll be about football one day. It'll be about mortgages the next, you know? Um, but I almost, almost became a bit too reliant on Twitter. You know, every time I sat down for two Did minutes, you? I'd pick up my phone and I was checking Twitter for no reason whatsoever. You know, it was just became habit. Um, and actually part way into lockdown. I thought, no, this is not, this is not particularly healthy. And again, it was a personal Twitter. It wasn't a, a business thing. I wasn't using it to, to put business out there. And, and so I made the decision to come off of it for a while. Um, so I, you can suspend your account. And I did that. And, um, and I thought, I don't, to, I'll be totally truthful. The first week I didn't know what to do. You know, I'm really? sat at eight o'clock in the evening. Yeah. The kids are in bed We the missus and I've had dinner, um, you know, and, and, stereotypical let's say she's watching coronation street or whatever, and i'm sat there my, my instinct is to pick up my phone and scroll through twitter 
And wow. that's like, for the first few days, I'm at, almost having to sit on my hands. I'm like, this is weird. I, I really feel strange not having... How reliant you were on it. Yeah, you, you really do. And so I, I've, you know, it, that soon got over that and I'm, I'm off of that now. But um, in terms of having children, yeah, I, I think social media can be brilliant and, and, you know, I use it to stay in touch. I've got a lot of family in Wales, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of family in South Wales. And um, so, you know, it's good to see what they're up to and... Um, taking the business side out of it it's good to see what friends are up to and things but um i think it can be dangerous so i do think you need to to be careful of it and especially if you've got children you know i kind of hope that social media and this for for kids will Mm -hmm. die down a bit i don't know if that's gonna happen but you kind of think you know when i was i'm 37 now when i was 13 14 15 you know we didn't have phones we didn't have I had a pager at one point, I think, but I loved, we would just get in from school, get changed, pick up the football and we'd go down the field and play football until it got dark or until mum, you know, dragged us, dragged us. Things have changed, haven't they? And they have changed and I I kind of don't like that. And and, um, so I'm hoping my kids are kind of, (coughs) excuse me, four and five. So, you know, Mm. there's a good few years before we need to kind of concern ourselves about that. But um, I think it just needs to be moderated. I think that's that's the thing at the moment. It's because social media's exploded. Mm. I, I don't even think the companies themselves have had chance to even try and moderate them with all the hate words and the, the keyboard warriors, yeah. I call them. Yeah, I there's the industry there are, that definitely. Yeah, where we're at, at the moment, where we're just promoting business, I don't think we see that side of it. But that's no, the reason I ask you because you're thinking of your children in ten years' <coughs> time when they start looking at social media. What's yeah, going to be definitely. the difference? What's going to change that's going to make them feel safe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, from a, from a business perspective, I think it's brilliant. And, and mm. you know, I'd question anyone that wasn't on any form of social media from a business perspective, you know, because let's yeah. face it, so many people are on it in one way, shape or form. Um, and it's been brilliant for us and it's been really good. And even if we don't actively use it to, to get clients, you know, ultimately it's the brand awareness and people when they do get recommended to us by their friends that used us in the past, they go, oh yeah, I have seen them on Facebook actually. Um, so Just there's that instant, touch point, isn't it? There's that instant little bit of trust. They go, and, and so yeah, it, it's very, very important from a business point of view, in my opinion. Um, from a personal point of view, you have to be, you have to be careful, you have to moderate it. And I, I do think in general, it's now a, a huge, it's almost like a monster now, social media and what they've done and it's got so big, so quick, and companies are making so much money off the back of it and things. Um, but there is no moderation. No one regulates it. And, and I think no. um, given the people that rely on it almost, it, there needs to be potentially some form of regulation that comes in, maybe at some point. But I would, a Netflix recommendation, if you've not seen it, um, mm. on Netflix at the minute, there's a pro, uh, documentary film, like a docu-film called The Social Dilemma. All right. If you watch it, it, it will blow your mind to a degree. It's so interesting. And, and it's all XVPs of Google, um, the guy who invented the like button on Facebook. And they're all being interviewed on okay. how social media works. And, and there's this one guy, I think he's a French guy, who he invented this algorithm. Um, I think it was Facebook algorithm. Um, and it was all to do with keeping track on what people watch, what people like, what pe- how many seconds they spend on a particular video and, and so on and so forth. Um, and he now actively sort of, he's actively now against that algorithm and that whole kind of entity. And they said, but you created it. And he said, yeah, I've hmm. kind of created a monster. He said, because it's now out of control. 
Yeah. It's tracking, um, isn't it? It's, it's really interesting. It's tracking really good. every every move that you make. Yeah, 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 definitely. But um, for yeah. the most part, it's it's a good it's thing good. without yeah. a doubt. And from a business point of view, it's it's essential, in my opinion. Now. Mm. So talking about business, I always like to ask this um, at the end of the the podcast: if you were to relocate tomorrow to say the north of England, uh, you've got a laptop, a mobile phone, and an internet connection what would be the first few steps you'd take to start generating mortgage leads, mortgage business? Well, the first thing I would do is bring some extra hoodies and jumpers up with me. <laughs> I don't like the cold weather up there. I spent, I spent some time about four or five months living in Chester and it was freezing. It was so cold. So loads there. of coats. Yeah. Um, but what would I do? So laptop, mobile phone, um, and, and internet signal, etc. So people buy people. And, and get yourself out there. I would go old school. I would, for the very first few days, etc. I would go old school. I would walk up and down the streets. I would pop my head in all the estate agency doors. Nice. I would pop my head in some local financial advisor practices, if there are any, solicitors, accountants, whatever it might be. Because people buy people. If you can get five, 10 minutes of someone's time and you're stood there, sat there having a coffee with them, it's going to be easier to break down that initial barrier than a cold call, a letter, an email. Um, and then I would be pushing the social media, obviously, you know, you would be putting your awareness out there. But for, for me, the, the most, the reason behind our success is, is people we know in the industry um, and, okay. and people we help. So the financial advisors that we work with that don't do mortgages because they don't have time. Um, solicitors, accountants, you know, it's that for me is, is the bulk of our business um, and actually clients that come back and refer us. But people by people is the biggest thing that, that I would say. So you and, would go out there and try and make as many relationships as possible. With people yeah, in that develop your time. relationships, network, you know, develop your relationships, um, join a networking, you know, uh, group. Um, actually, I've never been in one, believe it or not. I don't, I've not never actually done that never had to. Um, yeah. no it's not that i've never had to i probably should have done and i probably would have benefited if i had done but it's not something i ever actually did but if i was going up north now i absolutely i would um That's what because you yeah definitely because if someone sees you and they know that get they get to know you and they immediately think i'll trust my clients with this guy you know i'm quite happy to trust my client he's going to give my client the right advice and and he's working with peers in his industry or her industry, etc. Um, that is that's definitely, in my opinion, how how you would um, how you grow your develop business that some, way, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be consistent because with social media and and you know or buying leads or whatever it might be, you know, you could argue that they're customers, not clients, and there's mm -hmm. a difference. Whereas <clears throat> if you're getting um, consistent referrals say from an accountant around the corner because you've developed a relationship with that accountant hopefully they're out golf and they'll come out and show me around the local golf courses or whatever <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> always thinking about golf there's always, always an angle about, <laughs> always always time for uh, always time for golf uh, and it's cliche but i've developed some really good relationships with people on the golf course my two of my best introducers um interestingly came initially from social media one of them mm -hmm. saw that I was a fellow Saints fan on Twitter. We started chatting. He, he saw that I'd mentioned mortgages a few times and, and it turns out that he um, was a commercial bank manager. We went out for a coffee one day. 
of course, we both like Saints. We're both Saints fans. I'm for Saints, by the way. Um, and <laughs> Get that one we're in, both into golf. So we went out to golf. He said, look, I've got a guy coming with me. He's a commercial broker. He's a commercial, um, independent commercial broker. Um, mm-hmm. He's a really good guy. I think you'll get on. And and so from that, you know, they, they, they both now are friends. You know, we're going away to play golf in a couple of weeks together. They came to my wedding last oh. year. Um, but all of that was from having, yes, it was from social media initially, because that's the a very first point of contact. But we met up, we had a coffee, we had some lunch, we got to know each other. We quickly realized that we could help each other out with business. And we trust, I would trust my clients with them. They trust their clients with us. So yeah, developing those golf professional is, connections. Yeah, the, the golf, it's funny because I started, well, I started working in golf when I was like 15. And I think mm. it took me a year to realize that I dealt with a lot of business people that came into the golf shop. Yeah, definitely. And I looked at it and I thought, what? what other walk of life could you spend four hours with a potential client? Yes, There's no, exactly. if you said to somebody, do you want to come out with me for four hours tomorrow and we'll just talk business? Well, mate, you're crazy. But if you <laughs> turn around and said, do you want to go for a game of golf? You've got four hours of that person's undivided attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, this even goes back to the days in recruitment. I, I was, uh, when I first started in recruitment, I was a resourcer. Um, and so that was basically, you know, the recruitment consultant would get the jobs, would have the clients. I would purely just go out and try and find the ideal candidates. So I was, okay. you know, office junior in a way. Um, and there was a golf day. There was a, a charity golf day held by one of the clients. And um, the, the director of my company couldn't make it last minute, had to pull out. But he said, Gareth, do you still want to go? And I was 21, 22 maybe at the time. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'll go. It's a day off and I get, to golf. Golf and I get, I get food, you know, happy days. Um, but I, in my four ball, I was playing with the managing director of one of the um, country's leading housing developers. So this guy, you know, on the scale of me, office junior, wet behind the ears, 21 years old, probably hung over, um, you know, and, and this guy is the MD of a national house building firm you know, on a day-to-day basis, we're in different worlds. On yeah. the golf course, we're, we're, level. We're, we're level. And we, you know, we got on really well, you know, and this guy's 30 plus years my senior. Um, and off the back of that, he said to me that evening when we were having some food, he said, he said, I really like, he said, I really enjoyed today, Gareth. And he said, um, here's my card. He said, I want to put some business with you and, and, and you know, the guys that you represent effectively. And um, off the back of that, I went into the office the next day, bouncing. You know, look, I've got you. I've got you this this new client. Um, of course, the director was over the moon. Um, yeah. But yeah, what in what world can you spend that amount of time with somebody that you know you're it's, when you're on the golf course? It's a level playing field, unless they're particularly good and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you need to let them win. And that yeah. and that it sounds silly, doesn't it? T- telling mortgage brokers to play golf, but. I think it's more so trying to find something that you are on a relatable level with people and that's business, isn't it? Like you said, you've made introducers through being a Saints fan. Unfortunately, you have to be, have to be Saints fans out there, obviously. (laughs) So there are more than one as we know, but, um, (laughs) but it is, it's all about finding that common ground. But I think golf is such a great way to, uh, to increase your business. I think it's huge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people say to me, you're always on the golf course. Well, I'm not. And actually right now I'm barely on the golf course. You know, I think I've yeah. played three times in three months. 
um, <laughs> which is horrendous for me. You know, it, just say you're doing business. That's all you need to do, mate. You're on a business yeah, meeting. Yeah, but it's and and the wife used to say to me, I was part of a golf golf um, society a couple of years ago and she went what you going out to golf again and I said but it is work I said it is work <laughs> I said you know these Serious. people that I work with and and again um that that particular event one of the guys I played with was um actually starting their own bank you know really? and I went oh okay you know so we can potentially you know we so we instantly had something in common and you've got four hours pretty much to chew their ear off or their chew your off or just get a feeling just of build that relationship do, do, do i want to do some business with this guy you know there might be times where you spend four hours with somebody and think no i don't want don't want yeah. to grow that business relationship don't get me wrong but at least you'll get 18 hours of golf out of it <laughs> free game free game <laughs> exactly. no, that's awesome mate i think um there's, there's a load of takeaways there and i've it's great because i've never s- sat down with you and just spoke about business we've never mm, actually yeah, talked about how talk, you got about... to where other things yeah yeah, yeah other but, things uh, yeah. <laughs> but no i think in in a nutshell you know if i was starting out in this industry you know just be yourself be likable be approachable and and if, if you're genuine um but people by people that's that's for me yeah. that's the biggest thing you know and that and and i think that's why we get the the, the returning client base that we do and the, the volume of referrals that we get you know i've got people that I deal with I've got one family in particular that I think there's four siblings and a mum and dad and I deal with every single one you know at one stage or another every year um and and so the trust that they obviously have in me is is great um and that's what will stand you in good stead definitely yeah people buy from people I think that's the perfect way to uh to end it there people Mm -hmm. buy from people the last Mm -hmm. thing on the podcast is anybody that I have on the podcast I always ask them a charity and that's close to your heart and I'll donate 10 pounds for you to that charity okay yeah so um yeah unfortunately this one is probably a bit too close to my heart unfortunately because I've got a a very close family member going through it at the minute but Mm -hmm. um I would choose the children's cancer and leukemia group um fantastic so that would be that would be that would be awesome awesome great okay well thank you again that's uh, it's been no really insightful. I hope people have got got something from it. I will pop Gareth's um, Facebook, the business page, down for you on there, so you can have a have a little nosy. I won't put your personal one on there. So, uh, <laughs> and then people can reach him through there if you do have any questions about equity release. Awesome. Thanks again, mate. No problem at all. Appreciate your time. I will uh, speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. So, thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.